Baptismal promises in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's appropriate that we begin with a little bit of background from Isaiah, the first reading, because it prepares us for not the baptism of Jesus, but it prepares us for John, the Baptist. Isaiah, chapter 55, we, we heard, is welcoming the people back to Jerusalem, back to home. And they had been really uh, destroyed. Jerusalem, they say, not one stone stood upon another. It was totally destroyed by the invasion of the Babylonians. People were carried off, and when they come home, there's nothing, there's devastation. Now, you and I can identify that local media, the, the fires in, in Colorado, the, the floods in different parts of our country lately. So we can understand the heartbreak that the people had as they're coming home and they're t being told, you're going home, it's going to be there, here it is, get ready. And they get there and nothing is there. Rocks, garbage, junk. So Isaiah doesn't fall victim to that uh, woe is me mentality. He doesn't fall victim to depression. He says, come on, let's go. You are God's people, and you're going home. And you know what? Once you rebuild your city, people will come from all over the world to see this holy temple. And he encouraged them to be people who shout out and prepare the way of the Lord in their own lives. You see, I think prayer works like that. We have to develop an attitude of why we pray. Yes, saying the, the rote prayers that we all love and know, the rosary, the Lord's Prayer, all the prayers we know, but, but they have to come from our heart. And the attitude of our heart makes a big difference when we're praying for something. Or, or just praying to be in the presence of God, just praying to understand disaster, illness, and we have plenty of that in our country with COVID, just, just praying to understand the, the ups and downs of our lives. And in the silence of our prayer, God answers us. And so the people of Israel caught on to that, that optimism from Isaiah. And well, you know the end result. Jerusalem is now beautiful. The temple's not there because there's that controversy with the Muslims, but one wall of the temple is still lasting. Someday, God's will will be done with the Holy Land as a land of peace. But in the meantime, John the Baptist takes up the challenge of Isaiah, and he's the one who is declaring this new one coming, this, this answer to your prayers. Every road will be filled in, every valley will be flat, and every mountain will be laid down because we want direct access to Jerusalem. We want direct access to the Messiah. Background, you know John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus. He's Elizabeth's son. Elizabeth was six months pregnant when Mary received the message from the angel 
that she was to have the Jesus, she was to be the mother of God, and the angel says, and your cousin Elizabeth is already in her sixth month. That's who John is. So Mary goes up to John, to Elizabeth, and it's quite, a, quite an area. We were there like two years ago, and it's quite an area to climb into that area. It's called Harim. And what does the baby in Elizabeth's womb do? And you all know the answer to this. It leaped in her womb when the baby's mother heard Mary's voice. That baby, that leaping baby, is John the Baptist. We don't know the, the, the uh, private life of Jesus at that point. We know he's in the temple, he gets lost and that bit, but he's 12 years old then. So he and John the Baptist may not have been like your cousins would be in communication, or they may have been. They may have even gone to school together. John was a little more conservative. He went to study with the, the community called Essenes. And they were tied up in revolution as well as expectation. And they were waiting for the Messiah to knock Romans out of Jerusalem, out of the Holy Land. They were really expecting something powerful to happen. And John caught into that. And John is not really specific about the soldiers knocking the, the Romans off their horses or who this Messiah would be. But he says, when he comes, he's going to be so terrific. You won't, you, you, I am not even worthy to undo his, his shoes. That's how terrific this guy is going to be. You think I'm great? This is John talking about himself. You think I'm great? The one who comes after me, I'm using water. He's going to use fire and the Holy Spirit to baptize you. His penance, John's baptism, was a baptism of repentance, being sorry for your sins. This one is going to give a whole new meaning to baptism. He'll baptize you into the family of God. Okay, with that kind of preparation, people are expecting something. Some thought John was the Messiah, and that was later on disproved. And then Je Je Jesus comes on the scene. He knows Jesus, we think, but imagine you're in the Jordan, and I hope it was cleaner then than it is now, because it ain't so clean. You, you could walk in it, we did, we stood in it, and we had, uh, not baptisms, but we had uh, blessings with the holy water. Each person on our pilgrimage was blessed with the holy water and renewed his or her baptism. But you couldn't see the bottom. I mean, I could stand in it, but you couldn't, so it was kind of icky, you know? But maybe it was cleaner then, I don't know. And Jesus obviously stood in it. He comes down with the crowd. Just got to put yourself there. They're all on an embankment. They're all listening to John. He's one of the guys. He goes in. He's baptized. And then he goes off. And it's very interesting because the gospel of Luke is the gospel of prayer. He, he goes off to pray. He was just baptized by John. And he goes off to pray. And while he's praying, and this is for us in prayer, the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. This is the guy. This is the one we're waiting for. This is God's only son. This is the Messiah in the flesh. And you figure, well, if he's all this great stuff, what, why does he need to be baptized? And we as Christians, we as Catholics definitely say, you know, original sin and all that stuff. Jesus didn't have original sin. Why did he have to be baptized? To be your brother and to be your brother. Jesus was baptized 
to let us know he's one with us. When he was foretold by the prophets, Emmanuel was the title. God with us was the title. He would be. Emmanuel was born, and we still have the remnants of his birthday here around the altar. Emmanuel was born in Bethlehem. God with us. He grows up, is educated, and he comes to be baptized. Like you and I, we were baptized into the body of Christ. Our baptism is a baptism of removing of original sin, we say, but it was more in incorporation. It wasn't a baptism of repentance. We weren't baptized because we were sorry for something. We, we were baptized because we were incorporated into the body of Christ, and we had to be pure. That's what our baptism was. Jesus' baptism in the Jordan by John was completely anomaly. There was no more like that before or after him, because he baptized with water and fire and the Holy Spirit, and that's how you and I were baptized. So we're baptized like Jesus was. But that's nice to say, but the fact that Jesus wanted to be identified with you and me is remarkable. And, and he tells us in his actions, and again, Luke is the gospel of prayer. Uh, he has other characteristics. The gospel of women, you want to talk about women, they're Luke. You want to talk about prayer, go to Luke. You want to, you want to talk about the early life of Jesus, go to Luke. The other gospels have their own orientation. So Jesus is just baptized. And this has a lot to do with the consciousness of Jesus. We don't really know whether he knew he was God. He knew he was God's son, but you and I are God's sons and daughters as well. So it could have been that way. The full consciousness of Jesus, we don't know. We can't, we can't say. He constantly denied it when people called him these superlative names. No, no, shh, be quiet, don't tell anybody. So he comes out of this water experience and he, he's in prayer. Being in the presence of God, that's what prayer is. So for us today, we realize even Jesus prays. And he went into that water to remind us that he's one with us so that we could be one with him. Emmanuel, God with us, people, us with God. And when you and I pray, he listens. And the theology is Jesus gets our prayers as human beings, because he was one of us, and presents them to the Father. That's the theology of it. So all prayer goes to God the Father, and it's the Holy Spirit that inspires us to pray. And we see that today in the Gospel. And Jesus prays. And he's asking us to do the same. He's ask, reminding us. He's not asking us for anything today. He's just reminding us by his action who he is. He's a man of prayer. He's a man of self-knowledge. He knew who he was on some level. Did he have a 100% consciousness that he was God? He knew he was God's son, whatever that means. And theologically, there's reams written about that. He knew that. But he also knew he was on a mission to do God's work. And his mission involves prayer. 
When we wake up in the morning, the opportunity is there. Before we close our eyes at night, at our meals, wherever we are. I remember in the days in Jersey City, when I would go with my grandfather to church, before he would get to church, he always wore a fedora. Remember those hats? Men used to wear the little rim. He always wore the fedora on Sunday. And before he got to the church, he would tip his hat. If we passed a shrine in this Jersey City, we had shrines on every corner. Home, home shrines, Mary, Jesus, Joseph, and Anthony was a popular one. This is an Italian community. He would tip his hat as a sign of respect. We can live our lives tipping our hats because God is with us always. God is with us in the parking lot, at home, on the beach. God is with us in disasters. God is with those people whose homes were devastated by fire or flood or hurricane here and in other parts of the world. God is not a wish list. God doesn't say, okay, everything's good, everything's fine. No, Jesus is the example. He gave us his son. How does God's son relate to God? Through prayer. How are you and I, God's children, to relate to God? Through prayer. Is he going to wave a magic wand and make every, every COVID go away? Well, he didn't do it for his son, Jesus, in the flesh. He ain't going to do it for you and me. Miraculously, he can, yes. And miracles are phenomenal through, through history of the Catholic Church. Yes, we know that's possible. But on an ordinary level, this ordinary guy, this rabbi he becomes, a teacher, goes down and does ordinary things with the current people of the day and is baptized and comes up from that baptism in praise. He descended, he descended into muck. Maybe it was clean then, but probably not. And out of that muck, we have the Savior. And his life gives us exactly what to do, how to love, how to forgive, how to share, how to take care of one another. What more of a lesson do we have in our lives than God's only Son, who today celebrates his baptism and points the way to prayer for all of us? Baptismal promises in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.